Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one-size-fits-all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Hey, 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 welcome everyone. Today we are joined by the one and only, the incredible Linda Perry. Linda is a success strategist who combines mindset tools with strategic implementation to help small business owners crack the code to greater success. After working with hundreds of business owners, Linda believes that the key to uncovering freedom, making more money, and buying back your time begins with a mindset-first approach and shows clients how to ditch their head trash to get ahead. Linda is also a recovering attorney and copywriter and uses her skills of persuasion to show business owners how to make the impact they desire. Linda works with her clients through her private coaching, group courses, and workshops. She is also the lead business instructor at Levin Life Coach Academy, where she teaches new coaches how to build a thriving coaching practice. Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I've been so excited for this conversation all day. Me too. And I was going to say, you're in Lisbon right now. I am in Austin right in now. Mexico. I'm just in like my cold AF small town middle of nowhere. So mm. can I live vicariously through both of you for a moment? <laughs> Sounds lovely. What are, you, what are you doing in Lisbon? Are you just traveling, hanging out? So I've been in Lisbon for less than a week. And, you know, my husband and I picked up, we have sold our home and we are Spending at least a year in Europe, most likely Lisbon. I've never been here. We just randomly, everyone's like, why Lisbon? Why Portugal? And I don't really have a good answer. Other than we decided this was a great starting point and we're making a go of it. So we have been here for a total of six days, seven days, something like that at this point. And we're trying to figure out, is this the place we're staying? But yeah, we just picked up and we're kind of digital nomads, I guess. Wow. All right. That is goals. It's that's what I want to do when all my babies are grown. Right. That's the benefit I have. I mean, now that my daughter is 22, she lives in Charleston. I have a son. He's spending a semester in New Zealand and he's got one semester left. They're like, go, you guys go have fun. We'll have Christmas somewhere cool. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And Dawn, tell Mm. us about Mexico. How's it going? Oh man, it's so beautiful. So I'm in San Cristobal right now and I'm pretty much guaranteed moving here probably next January. It is like the most beautiful city. So cute. Of course, I'm not like much of a city girl. I definitely like miss Nicosp and how small it is. Um, This is like around 200,000 people. And it really reminds me of Kelowna actually in, there's no giant lake, but in that like the city's in a valley and then there's these um, like smaller mountains all around, uh, trees already all the way to the top. And we're at like 2000 meters above sea level. And then, yeah. And then the climbing is hard, but really, really fun. So yeah, we're already looked at a couple of rentals for next winter. And yeah, I guess the benefit of not having children is the same thing as having grown children, which is like you can <laughs> kind of do what you but want. But you did it the smart way. Like we've come here with one month of a place to stay. And my my go with the flow attitude is meeting my planner 
and they're kind of freaking out because I'm like, Lisbon is really hard to find a place. So there's this, right. I got to find a place, but also allow myself to find the right place and not let fear take over. So it's been really interesting. So you did it the smart way. I had never been here before. Yeah, I will uh, give credit to Nathan uh, for that. We, My father lives in um, Playa del Carmen, so mm. I visited him for years there. So we decided to go there, and we were talking about coming here next winter, and Nathan was like, let's spend a week in San Chris, too. So, yeah, amazingly, actually, our Airbnb host, um, it's really affordable here, and he's a software developer, so the internet is great, but he has, like, seven apartments in the complex we're in and they're gorgeous as well as two homes in the hills so he took us on a drive um shout out to daniel if anyone wants to know best place to stay in san chris you can hit me up on instagram but yeah he took us to check out his two other cabins and um we'll just probably be booking straight through him for next year to start and then yeah if we end up digital nomading longer uh we'll probably find more of like a local rental but I would say not that this pod is about that so much, but I would say like the Airbnb makes it so much easier, uh, especially because he's like got a photo of the internet speeds like on his, on his listings. So it's nice to land somewhere where it's all like furnished and there's coffee in the cupboards and a lovely host who will like drive you around town. But I think that probably out of anyone, you would be one of the best people to deal with your planning versus your like carefree attitude, since I'm sure that's part of how you support people. And I just want to go back to the beginning of the pod and say, like, I've been so excited about this podcast since we, I don't remember what, what platform we were chatting on, but geez. So I think you've known Shanti for like four or five years now, if that's right, something like that. I was longer even. Wow, right? And I was lucky enough that Shanti hooked me up with you and your sister for my first um, TCC live event. And I just was so, I gotta say, like, looking back on that time, boy, being able to hang out with you too and just feel comfortable. I remember our Airbnb, like, um, we lost it and then got a better one. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like we've been friends for a long time too. And so it's so excited to hear about you moving from, cause you're in Colorado, right? Yeah. I was in Colorado for seven years. So almost seven years. It was great. Yeah. Huge difference though to land in Portugal. Yeah, it is. And it's funny cause you were saying, I, you know, yeah, everybody's like, oh, but you have all the tools and yeah, I have all the tools and I don't get stuck in the, the fear for as long as maybe I used to get stuck in and I don't follow the fear. And I think that's been the biggest gift of doing what I do or helping others is I can see it. Like I can see when fear is trying to drive the bus, be like, take that place, take that first place. But we've been super intentional. And luckily my husband and I've been holding each other going, this is going to work out. Go back to surrendering, go back to what the intention of this was. It's always going back to remembering like, why are we doing this? Cause it can be so easy to follow. Like, how do I stay safe? How do I stay secure? How do I stay in that place that feels comfortable? Right. And everything about this isn't necessarily, I mean, we came over here, we got our dog over here. Right. And, and things have to be right for every one of us, including the dog. And we've really just tried to stay in that space of like, Hey, Lisbon was supposed to be like, do we love it? We're going to stay for a period of time, but we don't have to stay here. This is the grand experiment of this and really just stay with what we wanted, not necessarily what we know. And that's been really fun to stay in that space um, and really just challenge my thinking. So it's great. Mm. Okay. As you're explaining that, this parallel comes to mind of travel and running a business. And when you... Okay. Personally, when I go on a trip, I have baked in so many invisible expectations. I have like created this whole story in my mind of how the trip is going to, and life goes on. Problems don't evaporate when you get on an airplane and go to a new destination, which is always so confronting with travel. Like if anything, it can sometimes feel like there's more to confront and more mindset stuff coming up and more challenges. And I think it's similar with business in that we start a business, we think it's going to be like 
a certain way. It's almost never that way that we think it's going to be. And then with every new initiative or every new trip or project or, or challenge, we are confronted with those same mindset goblins that come up when you set expectations in any in anything in life. Do you find do you find that is true? And both of you, because you're both traveling right now. So I'm curious. Yeah, I mean a hundred percent, right? I know so many people who start their business and they're like, people are going to flock to me. I have this great service or I thought of a different nuance or I'm really catering to this niche because I understand them. Everyone's going to flock to me or it's going to be really easy or I'm good at this or I'm not going to work a thousand hours. Whatever the story is, whatever your expectations are, start a business and watch what happens and watch your head trash just roll on in. And I think that's the problem is, is we live in the ideal. We live in this place where we create a story about what it's going to look like, what the ideal is, who we're going to be in that story. And when it doesn't live up to that, what happens is, is we start to resist. We end up in that resistance mode. Our body freezes. You get, you know, those feelings where things stuck in your throat, your stomach is turning. All of that is resistance. And so we go some of us go into that fight or flight mode and we really follow our fears and we go back to bad patterns and things that don't work, but we're like, that felt safe, right? Or that feels easy. Or it's for the reason people stay with clients for way too long that are not right, you know, or niches or not being paid enough. All of that stuff is because our expectations weren't met. So we're going to go run to the safe thing. We're going to run to the secure thing because that's what we know. And it can be really hard because we're always looking to the ideal of our business. We're not satisfied. We're not happy. We're not growing. And we're hitting what I call the plateaus. We were talking about right before we hit record, but it's this thing that we get stuck. And so expectations are, it's exactly like travel, right? If you want to have your head trash highlighted, go take a trip, start a business, combine both, and you're going to see a lot of it, right? Yeah. So I think that's so interesting. And I think it's true for lots of people. And I don't know if this is my own trauma response, but I'm like an expectationless person, actually. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. On the same side, I'm like a goalsless person. So um, I feel like I hit plateaus before I hit them, <laughs> right? Like I get this stuck before starting. Um, I remember, okay, this is funny, but I remember it being about like, my graduation from high school and my mom didn't like my ex-boyfriend. So I went with somebody else and I just like chose to have zero expectations about the whole night. And I remember my friends being so sad about it because they're like, it didn't work out for them. Whereas I didn't have any sensation. Like it was cool, but I wasn't like sad. And I think I just adopted that for life now. So for travel, I'm actually more of like a, and I'm working, so I'm working really hard on having more idea, like living in the ideal. I want to move towards living in the ideal. And I feel like I still have the same thing where I'll stay with the wrong client for too long or um, not get paid enough for too long in the same way as if I was someone who had all those expectations. Does that sound crazy? Yeah. <laughs> no, can I, can I share a little bit about like what you're really talking about is, is we, we, we all need a vision. And I think where you're getting stuck is I can't even create the vision. Yeah. Right. The problem with a vision for many people is, you know, you don't want to, some people don't even dare create it because I don't want to have expectations around it. I want to, I don't want to anchor myself into it. Actually, people struggle. Like they hate when I'm like, can we talk about what your vision is? Like, no, but I, I'm not capable of doing it or I'm going to have expectations or something. Right. And so that's where you're getting stuck. Those, you know, of us who have this vision or this ideal then get so married to it that we also get stuck. And I think the happy place really is, is, Hold the vision, as I always say, loosely in the palm of your hand. Do not squish it, because most of us are squeezing it, our fists and squishing it. But hold it loosely and say, this or something better awaits me. So that we can pull from what you have, which is amazing, is that go with the flow. Yeah. 
kind of thing where we get to experience like when I'm traveling, not when I'm trying to like settle into a place, that's how I feel. And that's part of why I wanted to do this because that's the place. That's the flow we're all trying to get to, right? Is feeling really like we're receptive to life, that we're showing up as our best. So yeah, I love that you brought that up. Yeah. I like, yeah, I like, it's always a happy medium, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, pretty much always like come, come back to, and you said it earlier about you and your husband and, and Lisbon, it like, it always seems to come back to surrender. But I think if we're not holding a vision and I'm working on it, if we're not able to hold a vision, we won't ever get to like, cause I probably have a little vision in the inside. I do. I have some things that I'm like, it's like, bah, 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 you know what I mean? Like knocking for yeah, those of us who aren't watching the video. And if you don't have that, then it could, you know, take you two decades to get your degree <laughs> or like end up not hitting some of those like daydream imaginary things that you had. But I agree that if yeah, if you're holding this idea of like this perfect business and what it will look like, and especially that idea that like I have this amazing service and everyone's just gonna come towards me, you can get lost, right? Like have no and just like like drop the vision. So you're holding it so tight. It's like, I don't know, this maybe ages me, but we had something called GAC when I was growing up, which was like, if you held it soft, it would stay there. If you squeeze it, it would kind of like fall through. And it feels like a little bit like that, maybe. <laughs> There's yeah. a prop for your, for your next speaking gig, Linda. Get some gag and just like, I know. <laughs> and then it gets, it's like kind of I remember gag. That's great. <laughs> but you can't hold gag either. It doesn't hold. So I like I think that's the great analogy of what you just said. So okay. well, and like the gag, the vision is always changing and falling to the ground and picking up bits of debris, and you gotta like pick it out and yeah. Uh, okay, take taking it too far, but no, I was just gonna say, Shanti, you always make me better by helping my analogies actually make sense. It was great to have, <laughs> great to have a, a Shanti in life. Okay, in your bio, Linda, mm. you say recovering attorney and copywriter. So let's talk about recovery from from law lying, lawyering, mm. uh, and oh. copywriting, and sort of like how you got to where you are now. It's kind of interesting because, I mean, I guess I'd say recovered because I, I, instead of saying recovering, because I've incorporated all the parts of me into who I am now. One of the things when I first started out as a coach, which is a decade ago, I didn't, I felt like I had to leave behind lawyer Linda. And then I actually had become a copywriter because 80% of coaches fail. So I learned how to market and copy and do all of these things. And in that whole process of discovery, I actually was able to reclaim Lawyer Linda because, you know, we talk about that I'm recovering, but I also like the strategy side. And so as a coach, I guide people to their own answers. At the same time, as a strategist, I, I can actually work with clients to help them really talk about strategies and what to implement and how do they take their business to the next level so that that ideal doesn't remain somewhere off in the distance. And so this idea of lawyer Linda is really direct. I think that's what makes me a little bit different as a coach. I'm, I love crystals. I love things like that, but I'm not asking anybody to buy into any of it. I'm pretty practical. And that piece wasn't there when I first became a coach. And the writer in me, I get to, I get to write for me. Like that's the greatest part is I love my emails, right? I loved writing the scripts of my podcast that just ended today. And then like, I really like this whole idea of, you know, lawyers also bring people together, which is why I'm doing a new round table because I'm good at questions. And I love bringing people together to have better conversations around mindset. And so I feel like I'm recovered at this point because I don't hold any animosity towards it. I don't hold any lingering. I just have learned how to use all the tools into what I do now. And I think that really is what we, so many people are afraid of when they're building their business and going to the next level. What am I leaving behind? What am I losing? What is, what is this thing that people are going to judge me for leaving behind even? And so the reason I bring it up often, even in my bio, because it, it's been like eight years since I practiced, but the reason I bring it up is, is because so many people leave things behind. They think mm. that 
I always love talking about it because it's a part of me still. Mm. So, and that, I hope that helps people think of their next step a little differently. Hmm. Okay. You have, you've lived so many different career careers and, and, and phases of life. And I'm really curious on the subject of plateaus, like when have you yourself been in a plateau at these like various points in your career and your journey? You know, I think we have plateaus daily. It's just recognizing them. So it, and like, when was I at a plateau? Like a week ago? I mean, you know, (laughs) but the reality was, you know, a little bit like how John was talking about the not having a vision caused me to have a plateau. In other words, I had a choice to be a doctor or a lawyer. And since I fainted with the sight of blood, law school it was. And I loved what I did, but there were so many plateaus caused by self-doubt, by following someone else's plan or vision for my life, by really listening to others and not myself. And so definitely as a lawyer, I think I was living in one big plateau because I, I couldn't even see the landscape around me. And so we hit plateaus mostly because of our own stories that we tell ourselves. You know, I never dared do what I wanted to do. I hit a plateau with coaching, even when I first started that, when I realized I was being what other people said I had to be. I hit a plateau in copywriting when I was working so hard and nonstop Mm. and I burned out. Plateau is essentially or any place we get stuck, any place that we stop, any place that the head trash wins instead of our true intentional nature. It is that place where we're not reaching higher ground. In other words, our vision or our goals because something's standing in the way. And so it's really, I feel like we hit them every day. It's just, do we stop and look around? Do we stop and see what's valuable on the plateau? Most of us want to run. How many times have you heard people say, I'm stuck, or this is so uncomfortable, or I'm running, you know, like, especially in the copy world, people will say, somehow my business is dried up and there's a panic. And so that to me is some of the biggest plateaus or they'll work nonstop because what if it dries up? And these are the plateaus because we're not moving forward with intentionality. We're operating from a place that we can't really see. And we're not taking that moment to say, what is here for me to learn? Some of the best places have been when I've been lying flat on the ground. You know, it's from those moments of how did I get here that I've been able to actually unpack, learn the lessons, take the stories, See what role I play so that when I moved forward, I showed up differently, that maybe I learned to say no, that maybe I priced myself higher. Maybe I learned I didn't have to take what was in front of me, but I could create something. And I think that's the beauty of the plateau, actually. Yeah, I sort of picture it as like a a legit flat terrain where you're just like walking and walking endlessly and without the vision you're just looking down at the ground and all you can see is more of the same and it takes like lifting your head up and really looking around and looking for and at the signs that are right in your periphery if you just look up to sort of get a sense of like, where, what direction do I want to move toward? Where am I going? But yeah, if you're so focused on, on not like tripping or just, just getting to the end of the plateau, wherever that may be, and you're just looking down, then it's not going to happen. So many people find themselves too on mountains that they're like, wait, how did I even get here? Is this the mountain I want to be on? Right. I mean, that was me really in law. I mean, I sat there and I it was great at what I did. I mean, I became a partner after six years of being a part time attorney. I was a mom, 
was home with my kids part-time and I still became partner and all of a sudden I'm partner and doing criminal defense. I'm doing what everybody else wants to do. It's the coolest job. Right. And I'm on this mountain. I'm going, I, I don't even know if I want to be here. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know how to sit with that either at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the opportunity is is like, okay, I don't even know if I want to, let me figure this out. Let me give myself the grace to examine this. And I think that's the opportunity. And you're right. That's, that's part of why I I picked that word plateau recently in higher ground, because I wanted people to see you're walking around endlessly. And all of a sudden you look up, there's a mountain and there's another one. Wait, do I want that one? Or do I want that one? Like that's the cool aspect, but so many of us don't look around. We haven't taught how to, it's not your fault. I also want to add that because I don't want anyone listening going like, Oh my God, I'm now doing another thing wrong. Cause as business owners were like, Oh my God, I gotta be doing this and this and this and this. I don't, we just haven't been taught how to do that. We've been taught how to check off boxes and get to the next place or we go online and we're like, Oh, I should be doing all of this. I have to be visible in a thousand different places. And so we're just never taught to embrace the plateau. We've been taught move, do something as opposed to wait a minute. Yeah. I I love, yeah, I love that. And I think there's uh, something really real there about like when you're a lawyer and you're like, oh, I'm a partner. It's like, whoa, my plateau is now at the top of this mountain. But like, how did I get on this mountain? And so often, like Shanti, to go with your analogy, we not, might not be looking down. We might have like blinders on that like society or parents, whosoever, put on us. Um, and I do find, and this is why actually people who are in their early 20s who are excited about something, I'm just like, go, go, go. Because like, at that point, you have so much energy, right? And you can get there and get to that place where like, you don't even know how you got there. And so, yes, it, I think it's great to be able to question. And I want to come back to how you said, I didn't, I didn't even know how to sit with it because I thought that was really interesting too, but it, it's good to know how to question and to like go off and, and figure out what you really want. I think you, you've been saying like, come from like your own, like genuine place. That's a, a not, not quite paraphrase, but I think sometimes like also if you get to the top of that mountain and it's not exactly your perfect mountain, you might like just stay there because you don't realize that it's okay to go back down into the valley and learn something new. And it's like the resistance comes from being at the top, but you're still like not feeling that like genuine fulfillment that, that you would feel. And then as business owners, like, not only can we not sit with like, how did I get here? And do I even want to be here? I feel like we also don't let ourselves sit into our success. And I am calling out um, my dearest friend who I share this podcast with, but like the ability to really like see and sit with like who we are and what we've become and the opportunities we've provided for so many people, I feel like is something that as business owners, we it's like we don't trust that or we don't believe that or we don't let ourselves really steep into having maybe reached something that's like a plateau but that's also like something that needs to be celebrated beautifully and if you celebrate it then maybe you'll choose the right next place to go instead of just like looking up at that next mountain that's right in front of you and being like all right now I gotta like struggle my way up this mountain to get to like the next place that people think I need to be at so I know that was a jumble Ah, that's part of our pod um (laughs) but but yeah I think I think there's really something with like not being able to sit with not being certain if the top of that mountain is where where we want to be, but also not being able to sit with the fact like, hell yeah, like you got to the top of a mountain. Like, why don't you check out the view and really take it in and let it integrate in the same way that you let like your success as a lawyer integrate now and you can claim it as opposed to be recovering. You can be like recovered and, and fully yourself. And I remember how busy you were with copy when I first met you. And that must've been right before you burned out. Cause I was like, whoa, this girl, like at, yeah, on a vacation, just like working the whole time. Right? I mean, I can do a lot. Right. But I'm, I'm really glad you talked about that. Cause you know, like 
when you reach a certain level of success, there is this what's next. We're never ever looking at where we've been. Um, I was reading the book, The Gap and the Gain. It's um, Dan Sullivan, and I forget the author of it, but he writes it with Dan Sullivan. And the idea is, is that we're always living with this vision of what's next. I always call it like we're holding a carrot in front of ourselves and we never stop and celebrate what we've done. And so most people are tremendously unhappy as a result. So the way to really look at our success is how have I impacted my life, other people's life? It's really about what are the three wins? I, they, they talk about this in the book. What are the three wins I can take from today? What are the three wins that I can plan for for tomorrow? And that way we're never sitting in that, oh my God, what's next? It's not that we don't plan for the vision. It's just that we can start to stay where we need to be so that we can actually go, this is the choice that I want to make. And it is so important to celebrate those wins. Mm -hmm. And if you've done well and like, you know, like Shanti, we're all busy, like we celebrating for you from knowing you years ago, but are the question ends up being, and you don't have to answer this. Are you the one celebrating your own wins and enough so that you can stay with it and go, what's next? Because what happens is that too is a plateau, mm-hmm. right? If we can't celebrate, if we can't see it, because then we're being driven by something outside of ourselves for our own worth, for our own, who do I have to be? Right. And so it's really interesting. It's kind of fun to just be like, I mean, I can just sit back and be like, yes, I did something good, but it honestly makes you happier. So cool. Why not? Yeah. It almost feels like I'm just running with the analogies today, but you know, like after you do a massive hike and you get to the top and it's like a really rare feeling of just sitting and being present to the view, to the work you've just done to get to this place before even considering or thinking about like turning around and climbing back down. Mm. I, yeah, I don't know that I've had very many moments like that in in business because the climb is so massive and then you're at the top, your version of the top. And you just, it's, to me, it feels like when I'm in a plateau, I feel like I'm simultaneously in recovery mode. Mm. and yes, integration too of like, okay, but it's so hard to not ask the question of what's next. And I think that's like cultural programming that many of us struggle with, especially like high achievers, especially anyone who's like upbringing or, or, parental family unit was like, there's no finish line, go, 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 retire and hire. But that actually brings me to a question that I have around family and sort of subconscious imprinting as it relates to plateaus. So this is something I've been thinking about lately. I think about like my dad And he was an entrepreneur. He had his own business and worked so hard. And like, that's what I was modeled growing up. And eventually he reached a plateau and sort of never got out of it. And I wonder how that has affected my own sort of thoughts and subconscious programming around what is possible. And I don't know beyond sort of where I'm at, what is next? And that question mark, I think for a lot of people, myself included, almost wants to push me into fight or flight. And it takes a lot to like sit back and like, no, it's okay. So I'm curious what your thoughts are around that, Linda. Like if you've witnessed people reaching plateaus at different points and like it's kind of different for every one and what it's based on and what creates it you've spoken to a few things like you know yeah going after someone else's someone else's vision being disconnected from your own but any like family patterning stuff that you see in that 
Well, actually what I see in that is, is it depends on what you made your father's hitting the plateau mean. We are meaning making machines as humans. And it's, it's like you can be in the same family and you can have the same incident occur and two people can walk away with a completely different meaning out of it. My sister and I talk about this all the time, right? Like, did we have the same parents? Like for her, she's so extra cautious. I'm like, no, no, let's like quick start. Let's go. Right. For you somewhere in there, your subconscious brain made a decision about what that hitting of a plateau meant. And the chances are, if it was something negative, it was probably a limiting belief for you that makes the plateau probably even more um, difficult than it might be for somebody else. If you view the plateau as somehow a failure, somehow a place of that you don't want to stay, because maybe you watched your father and he was unhappy. Maybe you watched and he kept working so hard. And for you, you made a decision subconsciously, most likely, I am not going to be that. I'm not going to do that. And I will not get stuck that way. And I'm going to come hell or high water, figure it out. And so what happens then is, is it creates this internal drive. And so your subconscious brain's like, okay, got the message. We're not going there. Kick into overdrive. And so it's really an opportunity to reprogram yourself. We can have family patterns around our subconscious thinking as well. And so it is that whole, you know, I'm a first generation kid. You know, the only, I, I can't tell you how many times I was programmed to say the only thing that can't be taken away is what's in your head and you've got to work hard. And that's the only way. And you, you're one meal away from starvation, like in, in the mindset. Right. And so you can inherit those. They can be passed down, those kinds of thoughts. And so we want to be really careful. And that's why I ask, are your beliefs your own? Mm. The way to start to dismantle all of this is, is, is this even mine? Do I really even believe this? Because I think there's freedom in this idea that who I was yesterday, I don't have to be today. And we don't. We think that we're a whole set of patterns, beliefs, emotions, all this stuff. When you start to question, is this mine? Does this serve me? Do I need to keep thinking this way? The answer is often no. Yes, we come with our own sets of anxieties and things that we've lived with for a long time. And at the same time, we can begin to consciously think differently, but we have to be aware. Like you now made this conscious. You now are aware that there is something in this story that's driving it. And so for you, Shanti, the idea is, is let me dismantle that story. Let me look at it and say, is this empowering? Is this supporting me? Is this helping me? And if the answer is no, you can search, reprogram your, be- your beliefs or your meaning making with a new, new belief. I get to choose the direction I'm going. I always have this story that I learned early on that I, I, I made mean that I was stupid because I couldn't do a math problem when I was eight or seven, who knows? And so I kept proving, and that's part of the reason I worked so hard. I kept trying to prove this over and over. And I leaned into a belief, not of I'm the most brilliant person in the world, but as long as I give myself time, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to shift it to, I'm smart. It allowed me to get momentum. It allowed me to sit on the plateau and look. And I think that's where you have an opportunity to go, what is in here that does serve me? Because there's probably some really cool things that probably do drive you that you want to keep, but there's probably things that you don't. And if they're not serving you, great, you don't have to keep them. Okay, but can we talk about this a little bit? Because I feel like a lot of us who have done a lot of the work are really aware of the patterns and stories, and we might have some tools around reprogramming, as it were. But I feel like, and I have done, I personally have changed lots, but I'm not exactly sure how that happened. And I feel like a lot of the time, a lot, a lot of people in my life who are super stuck are so aware and they've just been sitting in awareness for so long. And what can they do to, to take that? Cause the, I mean, getting to that awareness is huge. Right. But then what, like you say, it's only, yeah, it's, 
It's just step one. Here's the reason I actually stopped my podcast, if I'm going to be really brutally honest, and I have not shared this yet, is listening and awareness is not enough. And I felt people were using the podcast to not do enough. And so it begins with be, do, have. We are always focusing on do, have, be. And when we're listening, we are so passive about this. When we're aware, we are actually still being passive. The truth is, is we have to do something different. If we want to be, I don't know, pick anything, easygoing, athlete, successful. What do these people do every day? So you may be aware that you're self-sabotaging, but you're not changing your behaviors or patterns. And so it is setting better goals. Like we, we, okay. So we all know it. You can't go from couch to marathon runner in a day, but most people fail because their goals are not specific enough. I mean, they're not identity based enough. Like they're not, who do I need to be in this moment? And they aren't looking at their own resistance and they're not taking the little actions. It's like running five minutes is a step forward. Again, we go back to what did I do differently today that makes me become a marathon runner? Well, I ran five minutes. Cool. Tomorrow you run five and a half. People want to go from like, let me go run a mile. Maybe a mile is too much. And then we get disappointed. And I think this is why... I had done therapy for years, but this is why coaching changed my life because I was so aware. I'm like, oh, I do this because of this. I do this because of that. But I didn't do anything differently. And so when I started to get a really rich toolbox of action where I understood my resistance, where I learned how to set boundaries, where I learned how to take responsibility in whole new ways, where I learned how Every single time I am confronted with a belief to stop and dismantle it. Every single time I'm confronted with a projection or somebody's triggering me, I stop and I do my work. This isn't a luxury. Too many people are like, well, I feel good today. So I'm not going to do mindset. Sometimes it's tiring, but it is this really cool opportunity because you get to evolve. I am nowhere near the person I was a decade ago. I'm nowhere near the person I was two decades ago. I'm actually quite different than when we first met Dawn. Mm-hmm. And that's the cool piece is if you are constantly filling that toolbox with the right things to do, not just action, just the right action, then you're moving. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling out quotes. I'm like, I need to type. No, I need to listen. Um, <laughs> I really love that action toolbox that you said and then and then right action speaks like so well to me as like a yogi or someone who's like like worked in the in the buddhist uh tradition as well and so yeah that's beautiful like having a right action toolbox and i feel like myself that's probably a big part of it it's like even for me just coming to the breath or i i dismantled some things and when they come up i'm like oh that's that and then i can come to the breath and move through it and i think that oh man unless you fall into the right group of people the right community and the right teachers can be really hard to to go from awareness to knowing what right action is and yeah I I don't know hopefully you can point point our listeners we're not done but point our listeners at the end about where to find find that toolbox or, or where you think people can start building it but maybe you have maybe you have a little bit to share right now about where people could start building that toolbox yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a couple of things that we've even talked about here is, is one question what you think. Mm-hmm. Like there's too much of, you know, identity foreclosure that exists. It's a term Adam Grant uses, organizational psychologist Adam Grant uses. And identity foreclosure is every time I hear someone tell me they're an introvert, they can't be visible or they can't, you know, show up in a certain way or network. I always say that's not what introversion is, first of all. And second of all, it is identity foreclosure. Or I'm not the type of person who can do systems. I'm not the type of person who does this. Every single time we, we say that, it sounds like awareness, but what we're doing is we're shutting the door. Mm-hmm. And I think a really great place to start is this question, is that true? 
The reality is, is we live in so many of our own stories. Even that simple sentence of, is that true? Can start to shift awareness into action because people will be like, well, yeah, it's true. I'm terrible at systems. I mean, this is me. I'm terrible at systems. And is that true all the time? Well, no, I created amazing systems for my children to thrive. I've created amazing systems for myself. I'm the most disciplined human being. Like when it comes to certain things, like I've lifted weights for t- since I was 24 and, you know, <laughs> over 50 slightly. And like, I've been doing it consistently. So I am good at systems. What we want to do is start to look and prove ourselves wrong because everything you think about yourself is not hundred percent true. And that allows you to give yourself this possibility of movement, of momentum, so that maybe today I'm not that, but maybe I can do one small thing to move myself toward it. So identity foreclosure is another. And the thing is, is what am I making this mean is another great question. Because what it unearths is it unearths your fears, your limiting beliefs. And again, you can then go back and say, is this true? What would be a belief that would serve me better? What's one thing I can do to lean into that belief today? These are little things to start to do. These are the ways I fill my clients' toolboxes. But recognize that the first thing that's going to happen is is you're going to set a goal. You're going to have these expectations going full circle to our conversation. The thing that's that's showing up is resistance. So by simply asking, is this true? You're looking at your resistance. You're meeting your resistance. You're doing something that allows you to break it down instead of it being this giant wall so that you can create movement. And I really want people to start to embrace baby movements. Like we are all so judgment. I'd say in my groups and I also, you know, coach in um, some masterminds and the it's so fascinating to me. They're like, this is so small, but, or maybe that's too little. I'm like, no, 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 start little. Mm. As you know, as you know, as James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, he talks about the guy who goes to the gym every day for five minutes until he develops a habit of going to the gym, until he becomes the person who is a gym rat, let's say. Five minutes. And we all, all discount those five minutes. But if, what if we celebrated every single day? Woo, I went to the gym. Five minutes, get it done. Like literally that insanely that we celebrated it every time. Wouldn't you be more inclined to take action? Mm. And I think that's how we start to create movement. Yeah. I love yeah. That. The identity, the identity foreclosure piece, like that is so on the money. I think so many of us, struggle with putting ourselves in boxes that often at a young age that we then never question and we just carry it with us. Like I've noticed this in myself, not long, not even long ago, like that. I just don't even think about it when, when someone's talking about organization, I'll be like, Oh, like, don't ask me. I'm just so disorganized. But like, actually I'm probably way more organized than like, 80% of people, like I'm actually pretty organized. And why do I say that? Like that identity gap, I've done lots of work on that. And there probably was a point in time when I was not organized, but I did the work to change that. And yet I'm still speaking out loud. Oh, I'm, I'm a hot mess over here. I'm so disorganized. I'm like, well, actually the truth is like, I've got some good systems going on. So yeah, I mean, questioning, questioning those beliefs and focusing on identity and being, I think those are such great insights. Um, Byron Katie wrote a children's book and my, well, I got it from Maverick years ago and it ended up in, in the depths of his closet, but Juno pulled it out recently it's called Tiger, Tiger, Is It True? And we've been reading it. And I'm like, man, like every adult should have this book because it's like a breakdown of what you just said. It's like, is it true? Is it really true? Can I know for sure that it's true? And just that act 
action of examining and asking those questions, I find is enough to get you out of the fight or flight mm. state and to then yeah. be able to move forward. Mm. And I, I think you kind of nailed that that's what we want to get out of is, is that fight or flight state, that fear driving state, because we're not moving forward with intentionality. And I think that's what's available. People think that mindset is all about perfect momentum. I actually talk about my head trash very purposefully because I want everybody to know that it doesn't go away. Mm. I want everyone to know that I'm equipped to handle it. There's never a time that I think I'm not equipped anymore. Mm. And that's the difference is it still happens. I have anxiety. I get scared. I, you know, none of this goes away. And I also know I can move through it, shift what needs to be shifted and tackle the next thing. And so I think that's what's possible. I was thinking too, as you were talking about the Byron Katie book, when my kids were little, I used to read them the Zen story of maybe, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's really, it is about the Chinese farmer who I wish I should, I should find it and, and read it because it's, it's really worthwhile for people. It's really short. If you want to indulge me for one second, because it, here it is. Okay. So I'm going to read this really quickly. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening, all of his neighbors came around to commiserate. They said, we're so sorry to hear that your horse has run away. This is most unfortunate. The farmer said, maybe. The next day, the horse came back, bringing seven wild horses with it. And in the evening, everybody came back and said, oh, isn't that lucky? What great turn of events. Now you have eight horses. The farmer again said, maybe. Following day, his son tried to break one of the horses, and while riding it, he was thrown in his, and broke his leg. The neighbors then said, oh dear, that's so bad. And the farmer responded, maybe. The next day, the conscription officers came around to conscript people into the army, and they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. Again, all the neighbors came around and said, isn't that great? Right. Again, he said, maybe. The whole point of this story always for me with my children was this is the mindset we can take. We maybe didn't get a client today. Maybe we got bad feedback. Maybe we have the best day ever. But it should all be treated with maybe. Because what happens is then we externalize ourselves and our value gets externalized to all of these things and our intentionality goes out the window. So it's not just a story for kids. I bought it in the kids version, but it is the story that I still stick with that I sometimes need to read. I love that. I need to get the story, the kiddo version for sure, especially for my oldest, who's like just very black and white thinking. And it's a beautiful reflection for myself of like my own black and white thinking too. Yeah. And it's the answer is almost always maybe clinging so intensely to what if this was good. This was bad. Very rarely does us much good. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Okay, I just wanted to put a moment there just to, to blanket that. Cause I, I agree with Shanti that is uh, so useful. And I think also can help us, stay in a calm nervous system because like when you're externalizing like that you're sort of chasing in one direction and chasing in the other direction and if everything always has to be good great better then then nothing can be enough um and it brings me back to another thing you were saying about these these action tools and what i witness in people all the time and try and pull them back from but it's just like small steps are way easier to take and you're way less likely to fail. And I also want to say failure is good. This is something I'm learning, but yeah, like that idea, my boyfriend is like, I'm going to run an ultra marathon off the couch because he's done it before. And I'm like, yeah, maybe we should like go for a little run today. You know, like, like those taking those smaller steps, first of all, I think can, can make it easier to shift our identity. Like you were saying, like go to the gym for five minutes a day. And all of a sudden you go to the gym every day, even if it's just like walking to the gym and walking in and dealing with the anxiety of being there. But also 
I think we're less likely to be stuck on a plateau if we've given ourselves the grace to take small steps all the time. Like if I'm trying to skip five steps, I will probably be stuck, stressed, and then in like a shitty nervous system place, right? But if it's like all I need to do is... Yeah. Like, like, for example, I never write my email list. I write countless emails for other people. Right. And it's like, what if I just say, well, once a quarter, I'm going to write my list, then I'll have been a success. Right. Um, And I think, yeah, when it comes to business or, or getting in shape or almost anything, it's like you were saying before, like we have this huge list of to do's and if we don't hit all of them, we failed. And then there's no point in the next day, you know? So, Yeah. Just, it's, I want to celebrate small steps. Yeah, I do too. And I think one of the things that you did point out in there is that there are those people that we watch out there that can go run a marathon. My friend John has run like 20 and he actually has run one without training and he's totally fine. And I really hate people like that because that's so not me. My husband can kind of do the same thing because he ran track in college and that's not me. Hmm. But the temptation can be to compare ourselves. And this is really important around business when it comes to visibility or the way that we're putting ourselves out or the timing of things. Mm. And so we think we're failures if we can't do it out of the box or if it's not working for us the same way. And I want to really emphasize the fact that this kind of thinking, again, doesn't embrace the maybe. It also doesn't embrace that we're here on our own trajectory to learn something mm-hmm. and that we're making a bunch of meaning out of this. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is an opportunity for business owners to recognize all these things that contribute to the plateau, plateau of comparison, self-doubt, you know, of not enough, all of these kinds of things. And just really give ourselves what you said, grace, patience time, a little self-love and we'll get there. Mm. And if we're moving too fast in a direction, we're going to end up on the top of the mountain. Like, Oh God, how did I get here? And I don't want to be here. And it's really steep to get down. (laughs) There's so much scrambling and it's scarier to go down than it is to go up. So, and it's really cold and I wanted a beach. Like what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. That's my vision beach that I come hang out with y'all in Mexico or Portugal next year. No, for sure. I just, I just ditched the snow and I'm like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> One day. Yeah. One day. I guess I can add, I, I do want to add something about the fact that I'm in Portugal. I dreamed of living in Europe in my twenties. Mm-hmm. I'm not in my twenties anymore. Can I mention that? But I've never suffocated that dream and just held it somewhere. And I'm living it. So I kind of want to remind people that maybe you don't know when, but again, maybe Mm. think that way about your business too. Mm. Yeah. I love that so much. So much. It's so liberating. We're like, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I think I'm like often wanting that immediate gratification, but some dreams just doesn't work that way. So to hold them gently, not let them drop, but also not cling to them so tightly that they crumble. I love that advice. Mm, I'm definitely going to hold my own like European travel dream over here whilst also, yeah, being present to the beauty of being rooted in one place. And yeah, there's, there's benefits and drawbacks of both, right? For anything, maybe, maybe, sure. maybe. Yeah, it's gonna be our it's gonna be our new word. All it's maybe. <laughs> Actually, my three year old is <laughs> everything's maybe. Everything is maybe, and actually, actually. Yeah. So I she's a that. little sage. Mm. So I really. Cute really want to celebrate not suffocating the dream. I think that was just a really beautiful choice of words that I wish that all of us could come back to and, and, and remember, because I think it's like, 
Although I might have trouble with the big, big vision, I think I still do have some dreams that are in there from from youth and from last year and and that actually recently have had sparks of like, oh, I could could do this, right? And and that like by not suffocating, like first of all, let's celebrate. Like I wanted to write novels. I'm a writer. Right. But then next level, like just yesterday, I was writing in my journal for the first time in a long time. And I was like, I want to write a fantasy novel. And then I was like, I'm going to write a fantasy novel. And then I was like, I'm writing a fantasy novel. And all of a sudden I had a whole bunch of ideas that came through. And so I think like it doesn't have to be like, oh, and so for eight hours a day, I'm writing like Stephen King. Right. You know, but I can allow that dream that's been there since the beginning to be there and allow everything else in my life to also be the practice, the setup, the the stability place so that when it's time to breathe life into the dream, it hasn't been crushed. It's still it's still breathing. It's just like going to be able to take a bigger full breath soon sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. One of the things that I, I want to share with you, because there are people like you out there, is, is you don't have to go create a vision. You don't have to go find it. You don't have to manufacture it. What you said is 100% right. It's in you. It's just you have to listen. Yeah, and allow. It, yeah, exactly. Allow for the whispers to come up and write them down and be like, oh, sometimes the process of creating a vision is a series of no. Nope, don't want that. Don't want that don't really don't want that. And then all of a sudden what floats to the top is what you really want. Mm -hmm. And I think for people who are really struggling to get that vision, that's the place to start is what's, what is not going in with me? I I used to talk about this at a suitcase exercise where I would say, okay, you're packing for getting back to travel a year. You can only pack so much, which was pretty much my life just now. What goes in the suitcase, what doesn't, but I mean it metaphorically, like, you know, just like, what is, what is like, when I was an attorney, like sentencing days, I loved because I could tell someone's story. So some form of storytelling had to be part of my future, right? All of these, I love working with people. What comes in? And so slowly, but what really stays out? Hanging out in prisons was not done. That stays out. Really aggressive, boundaryless, like careers out. So you now get to say no. It's like literally, I, I need to be able to have my cup of coffee in the morning quietly. Mm-hmm. That's actually in the suitcase. And so think of it that way. And hopefully that'll help people who are really struggling with their vision. Yeah. I like that. It's like a guardrail. Like just start with what you don't want and listen mm-hmm. and hold that space for the vision to come through. And Dawn, uh, my vision also includes you writing a fantasy novel because I want to read it. <laughs> my vision is just like right? me sitting on the couch reading books all day. Right. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, those little little baby steps. So where can our listeners take some baby steps and learn more from you and start building their toolboxes? So one of the things you know, my mission is this year is to have conversations like this. So this is perfect. I'm intent on having really in-depth conversations around mindset that create momentum. I have created a free round table called the higher ground and it is a panel. I'm going to have six to 10 of them. My second one is actually in a week, but they're going to be on topics of self-worth. They're going to be on topics of success. They're going to be topics about the plateau essentially. So I encourage people to sign up for Higher Ground because join, it's free, it's only live. I do not record them because again, I want people to show up and engage in these conversations. I'm writing my my book, but currently I have a short version of a book called Unstoppable. They can come start there on my website. It's free. I have 120 some episodes they can call through from my podcast. It's the Mindset First podcast. They can go and read those. But I do hope that people will come interact, see what I'm about, get on my list. I write emails weekly. I do actually make sure I communicate because it's my favorite thing to do, but really join. And and I hope people show up for higher ground because I do have panels of people who've been through everything he's been through mm-hmm. and learned how to use these tools, to get to the other side. So that's really the thing that I hope people do most. It sounds incredible. 
We will link to that. I need to get on your email list stat. So <laughs> when we hang up, I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Linda. This was a really, really wonderful conversation. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and all your insights with us. Thank you for asking such great questions, ladies. It was such a joy to be with you. Hey, I can't wait till you come back. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shandyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.